Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. When it comes to our money and investing, the problem is that there are too many options for the same opportunities. Many of us want to invest in growth assets, albeit equities or property, with the underlying opportunity being the same, growing our wealth. A rising tide lifts all boats. Most of us don't need exposure to the next big thing because we don't need to take on unnecessary risk when it comes to investing our money. We're happy to invest and set up a strategy ignoring the hype. What am I getting at? I'm getting at the noise that's out there in respect to technology, investing, social media, and even podcasts like this is real. So what do we do? The answer is your own education. The answer is only investing in the things that you understand. The answer is knowing what you're investing in as opposed to wondering how you invest in it. The answer is picking something and being okay with it when someone says they invest via another platform or product. The answer is simply your confidence. And to be honest, the answer to maximizing all opportunities is to spend less than you earn and invest the rest. The final answer is standing in your mirror and understanding that your actions today are doing the you of tomorrow a massive favor. So thank you for listening to My Millennial Money today. Now, we can't do this podcast without the help of our show partner, Tao. That's T-A-L. Tao, they're a major Australian insurance company and they look after many of our listeners and over 4.5 million Australian customers in relation to their income insurances, their life insurances, TPD, trauma insurance. They're going to be there when you need help the most. I speak in this episode about our financial foundations and one of those foundations is having a solid personal or family protection plan in place. If you don't have an advisor, head to sortyourmoneyout.com or you can search TAL online. That's T-A-L. So thank you for TAL for supporting this podcast. My name's Len James and you're listening to My Millennial Money. John Pigeon, host of My Millennial Property, the podcast. Welcome back to the Tuesday show. It's a pleasure. Um, first question here from Brandy. Single female, no children. And yes, she does have enough super, she says. How do I plan to use all my money before I can't use it anymore? I have no one to bequeath anything to. I mean, what do you take from that, Pidge? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's all about her. No, nothing to nothing to worry about. Nothing to hand down or hand on. Um, I'm living that sort of life anyway. Oh, <laughs> I'm not thinking about my kids. I didn't know you were a single woman. No. <laughs> yeah. So no, no, it's not true. What is she saying here? I mean, how do you use it? Like, however you want to use it. <laughs> mm. It's it's a really good problem to have, and for a lot of people, you know, they might not have family. Mm or immediate family to hand money to. They might not 
want children, they might not have a partner and are just happy to to do their thing, right? Mm. And of course, some of these questions, we don't know if they're real or not. Some of them probably are because we can't make half this crap up that we talk about. But what I'll probably say to Brandy is all that stuff aside, you know, no one is different in the way that we need to set up our own life to ensure that we've got housing for the long term in our own life. We've got food. Uh, we can petrol. Petrol, it's been a bit expensive, all that stuff. So I think I would probably look at ensuring that your own life is set up and then still going back to goals. Like, what do you want to achieve with your life? And I've always said to myself, it can all change in an instant. So mm. you, you might be like, I don't want children, that's sweet. There might be somebody that walks into your life one day and you go all goo goo gaga <laughs> and end up finding somebody, even though you, you didn't think you wanted to 10 minutes ago. Mm. Um, apparently, love's a wild thing. Apparently. But even if you don't, you know, even don't want to plan for that, let's get on a plan with how much we having to live on today. Mm. And because you've got a good situation, it's going to be a nice budget of discretionary funds. But then we need to look at Brandy. Well, if we fast forward to when you're no longer working, have you got enough money to survive without an income? Mm. And you, your super's cracking and it's going along well. But in terms of this mindset of I've got no one to bequeath anything to, if we did get to the end of your life and you did die, Brandy, and there was all this money left over, I would honestly at that point go, well, can I turn back time and enjoy giving it away while I'm still living? Yeah, and that that's the one thing I was going to mention there was the generosity and and, and giving some of it away and, and maybe portioning it up, isn't it really? Say, well, okay, I'm 50 now or 40 or whatever the age is. The average lifespan's 85. Okay, let's work out how much I need to spend or want each year. How much is then left over from that? Right, I'm going to give that portion away to something mm. that's I'm passionate about or someone who needs it more than I do. Yeah, I was saying to somebody the other day, what was it? It was a situation. Um, it was even, maybe I was talking with a doctor just about life and, you know, even as a financial advisor, right? Like if you're in a position, if you're a physio or if you're a, um, a beautician or if you're working in any type of role where you see individual clients or customers that have come to you to get advice or get something done for them. So like I'll go to the doctor and I'll be like, oh, Dr. Wollstoneholm, because that's my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've got this wrong with me and it's like, oh, it's really, you know, it's a big deal for Glenn because it's me, right? Mm. But he's probably thinking, you're not special. Everyone's got that rash. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> just not there. <laughs> actually, oh, I had, this is wild and I'll move on. I had, I got scabies once. <laughs> I got back. I started to get like these little things and I went to the doctor. He's like, where were you about six weeks ago? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I was at a, um, a factory outlet in LA trying on a heap of clothes. He's like, you've got it. You got it from there. Wow. Yeah. So, I had to get this cream. Anyway. So, we all think that we've got this unique situation and to a point it's unique because it's ours. But when you strip it all back, yeah. 
regardless of your situation, the same pillars remain. That sound financial house remains that we will talk about in the next question. We need to set our life up today. We need to live on a spending plan. Mm. We then need to have goals in our life. And then we need to go, well, as a balanced financial entity, and I'm talking about me, I'm just going to give some, save some, and spend some in that order. Mm. And that's my life. And then when I stop working, and really, Brandy, like you're, you're in a really good uh, position. Can you somehow make your life so you retire now, you semi-retire now? Because if it's not about the money, quote unquote, let's make your life about the lifestyle provided that you have ticked all those foundational things in your life. Because yeah. remember, John, there's no rules in life. No, and, and that's the, the beauty of it, isn't it? it? From a financial aspect in her life, she is set up, right? That's taken care of. Um, health, how's that looking? All right. Um, vocation, am I stimulated at work? Do, do I want to – how old am I now? How much – Longer have I got to live on average because I, I use, um, I'll use the sporting example because I, I love that, right? Ben Cousins, um, fall from grace, premiership player, Brownlow medalist, premiership captain. Uh, it all happened for him early on in his career and then went off the rails because there was no more to achieve in that space. Now, there's probably a whole of a lot of, of other things going on, but we've got to continue to motivate ourselves and, and to drive for something else that's going to interest us. And that's the dangerous part about this happening in our financial space at maybe, I don't know, 50 or however old she is. Yeah, and this is my kind of mantra. I'm not going to wait until tomorrow to start living, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's my yeah. mantra. Yeah, so what is, what, uh, what's the belief? What, what are her values around life? What does she want to do with herself and go and enjoy it? Absolutely. Good, good problem to have. But it's a great question and I really want to encourage anyone listening, like this whole podcast is to just encourage you and we will champion any goal. And if Brandy turns around and says, yeah, I'm happy to just do my nine to five and just build up a big wad of money and then when I check out, mm. um, it will be bequeathed to whoever, well, that's fine. Just put Glenn Arthur James of Blue Bay in the will <laughs> yeah. uh, with about 30%. But and, and don't tell anyone local that you you set up financially because they'll be knocking down your door. Yeah, but I will say in your will and as part of your estate planning, because um, we probably should cover that off in a serious way. So in my will, John, I, there's a line item, please give X amount to a charity. Mm-hmm. So you can do that stuff. What I would do as well is just ensure your estate planning is taken care of uh, because if you don't have anyone uh, that's family in your immediate mm. like mm. sphere, um, I would trust you've got good life-giving friends in your life. Maybe they can be executor of your will, yeah. uh, power of attorney. Uh, you might want to leave some money to friends. I think at one point in my will, when I employed my cousin Carly, and if she's listening to this, it's gone now because you don't work for me anymore. I said, you know, please give Carly X amount. Because I'm like, oh, if I die, I want her to have some money because yes. she's going to be out of a job. <laughs> if, she, if she knew that, she would have stayed with you. That's right. But for any of the team that now work with me, uh, you're not in my wheel, so back off and get back to work. So, okay. yeah, and have these discussions with an estate planning lawyer. Mm. Uh, we'll put a link in the show note for anyone to get your will sorted. Mm. You can put anyone in your will. But I think this underlying thing needs to be, well, what purposes and what causes do you value today? 
and how can we start giving mm. uh, some money away today? Yes, very if, important. In fact, that you've categorically think you'll be single with no partner and no family for the next 30, 40, 50 years, that's fine. Can we start giving some of your money away today and you getting, being part of that process? Well done, Brandy. What, what have we got next, John? Rachel says, how far along paying down PPOR, principal place of residence, should you buy an investment property? Well, Glenn, what do you think on this? Well, there's no shoulds. Like, no one has to buy an investment property. What? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is that fact? Yeah. But again, let's go back. We touched on it in the last question. Whatever age, whatever vibe, whatever part of life you're at, if you've got an income, you need to have your financial foundation. So we want to make sure because, and you might be thinking, oh, that's pretty normal, Glenn, to have all this stuff sorted. But there could be someone listening to this podcast for the first time today. And hello, welcome to the podcast and my scabies. The, that they've, they've found this podcast, they've got their home, they want to buy an investment property, but they don't have their foundations in order. So we need to make sure you're out of any consumer debt. You need to ensure that you do have some type of cash buffer in your life. We like to call that an emergency fund. I would really want you to consider uh, ensuring that your income is protected, some income protection insurance, uh, some death cover for the family, disability cover, make sure all that's done and make sure your wills and estate planning are done as well. And while you are doing the foundations of the Sound Financial House, and for those who have my book, it's on page 70, there's a diagram of it, um, you'd really want to make sure if you're paying extra on your mortgage, just turn that back down to the minimum mortgage repayment. Uh, while we focus on cleaning up any other type of debt, um, if we have to pay some of the money that we're paying to our mortgage, to insurances, if we're paying over the minimum amount, I'd certainly rather you put that into your uh, insurances and protection before we worry about um, what we're going to do in the future. So part of that foundation is to have a a spending plan in place. Uh, So yeah, once you've done all that, that will give you a really good kind of base camp of ready to go, okay, what do I want to do? Now, John, the fact that Rachel has actually said that magical word investment property, um, we'll assume that she does want to do that. Mm. I, I don't know if she's got a um, a partner or, or whatnot, but, you know, they've got their home or she's got her house. She wants to buy, she wants to buy an investment property. So as a practical example, John, Rachel's got a principal place of residence. She's been in it for a year. She's been in it for 10 minutes. She's been in it for 10 years. Talk us through the process of buying an investment property once we've paid down our mortgage Mm. a little bit. Yep. So, as Glenn rightfully did, he he covered off on the, the boring stuff that needs to be covered before we look at an investment property. So, I think a big mistake that people make I believe, is they spend too long paying down their own mortgage before they decide to grab some equity and go and build wealth, right? Um, I I see it day in, day out where people come to me and say, oh, we've been thinking about buying a property for 10 years, but we've just been focusing on paying it down and that was our number one goal, Um, which is okay, but just understand that we can potentially do it sooner. So, Rachel, for you, I would look at your loan-to-value ratio 
And first thing is get a valuation. So get a bank valuation or a few to see what your property is actually worth and then work out what your debt is and understand that it should be at 70%, uh, meaning you can borrow back up to 80%. Because I don't think you want to go into lenders mortgage insurance territory just to buy an investment property um, using the equity from your own. Okay. Lots going on there. How does somebody go about getting their home valued? Are we calling the real estate agent? Are we calling yeah. so valuation.com.au forward slash what up, Dale? <laughs> so, we we can get a real estate agent, but that's going to be a sales appraisal, not accurate to be used by the bank. So, we go straight to a mortgage broker or a lender and say, look, value my property, won't cost you anything. This is what it comes back in at. Great. Let's go and get two others or get your mortgage broker to get two others. So you've got a cross-section of valuations from a number of different people or companies. Um, so then, yeah, then you need to work out your loan-to-value ratio and you need to look at your servicing. So your income um, against that, can I take that equity out and can I borrow more money to go and buy an investment property? So first step, valuation. Second step, have I got equity? Third step, have I, uh, can I lend extra money to go and buy something? And then probably the last part of it, which Rachel sounds like she's already covered, is are you ready to go and do this? Have I got the risk profile to say, yeah, I want to build my wealth and I want to use property as, a, as an investment tool or an asset class? That's how I'd go about it. But I think, Rachel, you would know, like if you've just moved into your home that you're living in and at the time you had to pay some lenders mortgage insurance mm-hmm. and the property might be worth 700,000 and you've got a mortgage of 650 and it's only been 12 months you probably should know just in terms of you know practically gut feel that there's not going to be any meat in it anyway okay so let's use a real life example yeah please we bought it for 800 yep the debt 720 so we put in um 10% deposit 80 grand plus our stamps, but our mortgage is 720, our value is 800. Fast forward, the market's moved really well, it's now a million dollars. Our times by 80% is 800K minus 720, I've got 80K of usable equity there to take and buy an investment property with. Okay, someone, you might have to press the rewind 15 seconds to a couple of times to, to get that, but effectively, John, what you're saying is, if there was equity in a property, you can't just instantly use all of that to draw out to either buy shares or buy another property. Is that correct? Correct. Up yep. to 80% of its value uh, and then you minus the debt off. Yeah. So that's that whole dance between paying down the debt and the property increasing in value. So you're reducing your loan to value ratio. Yeah. And realistically, uh Rachel, or anyone who is looking at um, building wealth for the long term, or maybe like this house here that I'm living in, it's not my long term, like I'm not leaving here feet first in a box type Mm. house, Mm. I would hope. So, I'm only paying the minimum principal and interest mortgage repayments and all of my other money is just sitting inside my offset account. And I know a lot of you who listen have a similar structure to this because we don't want to have to extra repayments into the mortgage because then if we want to pull that out, we will run into some issues regarding tax deductibility of that money. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's a good question. And I really would encourage anyone who's really like thirsty for property as an investment uh, to to go over and subscribe to John's and Emily's podcast, My Millennial Property, because they go deep in all this crap. We do. We love it. Mm. Olivia Trinidad, how to budget when starting a family for the first time. Now, you've started a family for the first time, John. Yes. And I will just flag what we will do. Uh, and it's also for Rachel, our producer, and Rachel, everyone, Rachel Chow, she's now senior producer across all our shows. She got a promotion. Well done, Rachel. And she's awesome and I love my team. She's a jet. And um, just flagging for Rachel, we're going to do another um, kind of deep dive baby budget family type episode. I've got someone lined up for that. So, what did you guys do um, 50 years ago when you had your family? <laughs> we- we didn't budget. <laughs> right. So we were running a business at the time in good old Radelaide and we didn't essentially f- plan for a child in that particular year that it arrived. And you might be listening thinking, yeah, well, that was me as well or that was really um, reckless of you but that's the way it goes. Um, so we had nine months to sort, or less than that actually, six months to sort that out. Um, so I think first thing we need to look at is emergency funds. You've got that anyway, or hopefully you've got that anyway. If you haven't, make sure you do. Uh, you've got to plan, and that, that was a big one for us, was planning for one income for a period of time and, and sit down and ask yourselves how long do you want that period of time to be. Some want to get back into vocation three months, six months in. Others want to take two years off. So you need to factor that into your planning and your and your cash flow analysis. So really plan that one income. Uh, and then the, there comes the, the normal baby stuff, the, the stuff that we need to prepare to have uh, another two feet in our family. So cots, um, toys, clothes, whatever it is. So um, a lot of that may be gifted from family and friends, which is nice. You can go on the cheap and get some secondhand stuff. Um, It really depends on your taste. But the big one for us was definitely that we're on a single income for a period of time. How long do we want that period to be so that we're not stressing about money through that important period of our life where we're first-time parents? I reckon it's as a general rule of life, and if you're not there yet, it's all good. You you will be soon because you're engaged with your money and you're listening to this stuff. But as a general rule of life, like if you keep out of consumer debt, try and have a bit of a cash reserve for emergencies, have a spending plan in place, anything that comes up is easier to handle, whether it's yeah. a baby, whether it is... Um, getting some, an emergency thing or you've been laid off work for a peer, period of time. Like I would say, Olivia, like, you know, your first child, if you just make the call with your partner, if you have a partner, I guess you would call a family if there was just a, a parent and one child. That's a family, I guess. Yes, it is. But yeah. Look, but I, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is if you just make the decision, we're not going into debt. We're not using afterpay. We're not like lay-by, sure, awesome. Mm. But we're just always not going to let our situation um, get away from us. Yeah. And there was someone that put a question up in the Facebook group 
And I would encourage you, Olivia, to search the Facebook group for hashtag family. Jaden Ford put up a question. What are your best financial tips for expecting parents? Uh, they've got six months to go. Renton Johnson said, buying clothes and prams off marketplace as they will grow quick, but it'll be um, following two. What? I don't know <laughs> what that means. Kat says, get a good idea of your CCS entitlements now so you can forecast if and when and how feasible for the uh, birth parent to return to work. Breastfeeding is cheap, but not as instinctual as you'll think. Invest in a consultant with a well-reputed IBC. This is a big post. You can go and read it all. I'm not reading all that. Uh, there are heaps of tips in there. Uh, Dana Shields said, do a meal plan and trial it until you have it down to an art form. You'll be in baby haze for the first two months and Uber Eats is not great for the, great for the waistline or your wallet. That's actually really mm. cool. Mm. Getting to that meal plan thing uh, because those first two months of a new baby, I hear it's quite wild. Uh, she's got some really good points here. Get a slow cooker slash multi-cooker. Ask people to give you uh, – what the – some of this crap, I've not, I'm not even in this world. Ask people to gift you love to dream swaddles or ergo pouch. The best for newborns. I'd imagine that's some type of apparatus. <laughs> Stock up on nappies when they're on special. You need a few boxes and someone said use cloth nappies. Um, Oof, we thought about doing that. Absolute nightmare. Cloth nappies? Yes. I grew up on it. Well, so did I. Yeah. That's why I thought, oh, well, these, these are cool. This is what yeah. I had. No. Uh, she goes on to say, as someone mentioned before, don't buy a lot of clothes. You just have to buy a few and buy them as you need. Sometimes they skip a whole size. If you have a lot of stuff already, ask people to contribute money to baby shares invested instead of baby shower gifts or just small gifts. Don't sign up for all the baby activities right away. Most places like baby sensory and swimming We'll let you have a few trials yes. to see if you like it. Yes, very good. Um, that's a really good point. Mm. And she said, number eight, enjoy and put some money aside to have a date night every few weeks. Yes, very important. Don't know if it's every few weeks, but definitely once a month. Uh, the interesting one for me, and, and those who've got multiple children listening will understand this, the first kid usually gets really spoiled by everyone, friends, family, and yourselves. The third child, right, just put clothes on them and get, get them out the door, right? Whatever they're wearing, doesn't matter. Hand-me-downs, um, yeah. So uh, the point there is you don't have to deck them in the greatest, mm. most expensive because they do, do grow out of it quickly. Brianna said, buy secondhand. So many items are only used for six months. Cloth nappies, initial cost up front, but can be, lar- but, can be large but works out so much cheaper, especially if you plan on more kids. Breastfeed, it costs nothing. Babies don't need much to be entertained. Join a local library uh, music group, blah, blah, blah. Actually, I was working out of Arana Library the other day because I go down there and work. And I'm like, the library's so great. You can rock up and it's quiet and it's just peaceful. And they had, I rocked up and they had a group of toddlers doing sing-alongs. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I've, I wear my noise-canceling headphones anyway. So it was just fascinating. <laughs> But yeah, the library, like they've got lots of activities. Yeah, you um, joined in. Daniel said, make sure you have health insurance sorted, life insurance, income insurance. Yeah, and this all goes back to in life, we need our foundations. Yes. Um, but anyway, you can search hashtag family in the Facebook group. There's heaps of stuff there. We're going to take a break and we'll be back right after this. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, we're back. Now, our little new segment, we're reading community answers from the Facebook group. What do you wish you knew earlier about money? Linda Sagas said compounding. Emily Shanley, to budget, every dollar should have a place to start investing young. Sarah Kiddo, the stock market, how to invest, how to pick what to invest in. It was something I was interested in doing at much younger age, but I knew nothing and had no one to talk to about it. And I didn't know how to pick up a good financial advisor to help me. Daniel Hayes, being a good saver is only one small part of using your money wisely, not the whole kit and caboodle. Ryan O'Leary, that money buys butter chicken and that's pretty damn close to happiness. What do you got on the next page, John? Mia Faraga. I'm only 20, but if I could tell my 15-year-old self, just save like 10% of your pay, used to buy stuff I didn't need or even like that much because it was exciting and I, I like getting parcels, don't we all? Mm-hmm. Mainly regret fast fashion. Melanie Tomic says it comes and goes, but time isn't replaceable. I started spending more to enjoy life and not save it to sit there while I wasted precious time. Mitchell Vince says, I wish I was taught to delay gratification as this is so important in building wealth and staying out of debt. Yeah, that's boring. Yeah, but (laughs) Mitchell, you're on the right track, old chap. Don't listen to Glenn. Nick Toparkas says, it's modern voting power and should be used to benefit more than just ourselves. There we go. Before we get into the next bunch of questions, I just, in the back of my mind, when I said I had scabies earlier, I'm thinking, <laughs> did I say the right thing? Is that, that's not some weird thing that is really awkward. Well, you're open and honest. But um, scabies is a skin infestation caused by a very small mite called Sarcopes scabi, something like that. Sounds worse than it is. The mites burrow into the skin to lay their eggs. New insects hatch from the eggs and can be spread to other parts of the body by scratching. Scabies 
is spread by direct prolonged physical contact, including sexual activity. Have you ever had maggots on your bin? No, I'm clean. <laughs> well, well, we've got a dog. And this morning it was dark. I was about to go for a ride and I thought, oh, I've got to put the bin out. I couldn't see what I was doing. So I just grabbed the, do- the handle and guess what started rolling up my hand? Oh. <laughs> Mark? Savetskoski. Savetskoski. This is a – I want to camp here for 10 minutes. How to set up an investment portfolio dot, dot, dot for a business. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Go on. Well, I'm wondering which way I'm going to take this. Take it anyway, baby. Just take me. So, as a business, we want to create assets within that business. So, I'm, I'd be just thinking, well, what are we doing with our personal wealth before our business? growing asset. So maybe he's got that side of it set up. I don't know. Am I reading this correctly? So then, right, my business needs to expand and we want to diversify into different asset classes is the way I'm reading this. So my personal situation's fine. I'm now going to expand my business. How to set up an investment portfolio? Well, there's a, there's a, there's a structure for asset protection and then there's a structure for finance to be able to maximise that. Um, and then there's the structure for tax minimization. So three things need to be looked at there, I think, Mark, and they need to be all appreciated equally. Mm. What do you reckon? I see this as I've got a, a business and we'll say Mark's an electrician, for example. Mark's an electrician. He employs three other electricians and an office manager so little humming business going along. Mm-hmm. He works out of a proprietary limited company. Business is going good. He's thinking, well, can I set up a share investment account owned by the business? Yes. Now, a couple of things there. Number one, yes, you can. Now, when you go to any, so like your trading platform of choice, you can rock up and say the ownership of this investment account is this company here or you personally, whatever. John, you can buy property and have a company own that property. But as a business owner, and this is a shout out, if you are a business owner and your ears have perked up with this, make sure you subscribe to our podcast called My Millennial Business. Uh, We've got a new host on that. I probably haven't told John yet, but Fabs is going to host that. Um, Who's Fabs? He's a cool guy and he's... um, He's hosting My Millennial Business now and I reserve the right to still jump on and do episodes so I won't be going anywhere. But when it comes to our business, over my time of helping business owners in the financial advice area, the biggest problem with uh, small business owners is they don't diversify outside of their business. Yes. So whether, you know, Mark, the electrician, he just keeps double downing on the electrical Mm. business, awesome, 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 but- one day business goes bad and his company's not worth anything and he put all his eggs in the business basket. Yeah. Or in the example of like farmers, they put everything back into the farm and then have to then pass it on to the next generation and mm. can't split it up. Yeah. So number one, we want to, you got the right idea, we need to invest outside of the business, but it wouldn't be prudent, I would suggest, to have your operating entity 
own an investment account. Mm. A couple of reasons why um, we just go to the practicalities of what we just talked about. We just want it completely separate from the business. If you were sued or something like that, that's an asset of the business that could be on the line. So, it's not good um, asset protection generally. It's not great for uh, tax planning because you're really governed by the corporate structure that owns it. It's not good for estate planning uh, if you died tomorrow because that asset is now joint with the business, the company. It's not good for um, succession planning. Like if you want to sell the business, well, the business owns half of the share portfolio. Like what are we doing here? So what we need to look at is with your accountant and solicitor, make sure that when we're building assets that we're doing it separately So, either the business can be sold by itself without affecting the investments or the investments can be sold by themselves without affecting the business. Now, as an example, John, have you heard of the small retailer called Bunnings? I have. And Bunnings, they have some big properties, don't they? They do. Owned by West Farmers. Yep. So, Bunnings, the company is owned by West Farmers, but they don't actually, Bunnings, the company doesn't own their stores. Mm. They're owned by a REIT, a real estate investment trust called the BWP Trust. So, 101, you really want to have your investments at arm's length. So, that's probably all I'll touch on on that one, Mark. Um, so, rounding that out, yeah. accountant, um, solicitor and mortgage broker, if you want a loan, yeah. need to be on the same page with the same sort of thinking. Don't need to be in the same room, but just be yeah. all- uh, And, and I'll give you an example. Direction. Like I've got a discretionary family trust that owns Simo Interactive, um, which is the podcast operating business. Yeah. Um, the discretionary family trust also owned my financial planning practice. And then when I sold that practice, the money came through the trust and out to the beneficiaries, which was me. Um, but the trust still remains- so, if, you know, I wanted to buy another business or start another business, I would likely have my family trust own the shares in that business. Now, if, for example, I wanted to, and I do, my family trust, I have an investment account that's owned by my family trust. So, any profits that I get from the podcasting business and my salary, I can then choose what I want to do with that. I don't have any other investments. And if you want to get really wild, guys, Simo Interactive, the operating entity of this podcast, actually doesn't own the My Millennial Money brand. My family trust owns that brand. Asset protection. Mm. And it's just best practice. Yeah. Um, We've got to move on because John's got to go. John, for the budding property investors, you're doing some stuff in relation to property investors. Just tell us what you're doing. And- Straight up, guys, this isn't for everybody, but it might be for you or might be for somebody that you know. Mm. Yeah, so it's come about as a result of a lot of people reaching out to me saying, look, like what you do, I'm, I'm passionate about property, I'm a passionate property investor myself personally, I'd love to be able to think that I could go and help people um, do the same thing. Now, whether that's to become a buyer's agent or a property coach in inverted commas, um, either either they're just interested in doing that as a vocation or running their own business right now. 
Um, as we know, like we can become a mortgage broker, we can become a real estate agent, we can become a buyer's agent. And there's that dance between finance and property, right? So some which like to go down any of those paths, but others will uh, say, no, I don't want to do any of it. I want to be a property coach. So I've designed a 12-month coaching uh, journey, which I will take some budding individuals that want to enter the industry and coach them up for that 12-month period. And, and at the end of it, they're basically let loose into the into the wild. So there's a whole range of things that that'll include. It, it's, uh, it's one-on-one coaching um, with monthly meetings, but it's also group meetings as well. So we can all build together and, and learn the information on the job. So this uh, course that you're running, how to be a property coach or buyer's agent slash advocate, it's a 12-month journey. What are the prerequisites? Now, I would imagine that people would have to apply. Correct. Yeah. So we'll take a maximum of 10. I don't want any more than that because that's to make it personalized and individualized. We, we, we want to cap it. Uh, we need at least one residential property in your portfolio. So whether that be a owner occupier or investment doesn't matter, but we've already played the game. We've already gone and bought and transacted property. Uh, a real mindset to learn and absorb information. We, we don't want to be a closed door. And we want to be a team player because we will have the, that group interaction and obviously just the, the housekeeping, strong, strong internet access to WhatsApp and those sort of forums where we'll communicate. Do people need to have any other type of formal qualification? So if they're wanting to take action at the end of that 12 months straight away into the industry, uh, I personally think a certificate for in mortgage broking and a certificate for as a minimum in real estate services, um, which is a state-based qualification, um, combining those two gives us that finance and property uh, education and knowledge doesn't definitely definitely make you capable once you enter the industry. It's just the qualifications that we require for insurances. So, what are the, some of the things that people get who want to actually apply? Well, like, what are some of the learnings? Yeah, so we'll do a a disc profile on everyone at the start. Understand their or allow them to understand their own personality, but also how to then coach other personalities that that may be out there in general society. Uh, Looking at their, I'll do an analysis of their own personal wealth creation journey and what they've got in store now and what their plan of attack is going forward for their own property journey. And and that might be also assets outside of property. Um, I'll go through how I coach my clients uh, on that same 12-month journey and the tools and resources they'll get access to in respect to that, so the do's and don'ts and how to create property strategies, um, how to look at someone's situation from the outside in and, and just um, how to build rapport with, with clients along the way. Uh, and again, all the templates that, that I've created over the last 10 or 12 years of my own personal journey, but also uh, for, for coaching others in, a, in an effective manner. So they basically get 10 monthly online workshops with other trainees, 10 one-hour personalized meetings with yourself, and then at the end, uh, if you really stand out, there might be a job for them. 
<laughs> well, look, and it's not my sole purpose just to go and um, hunt, hunt, hunt the best employees, but we're definitely keen to build our brand as well around the country. So, yeah, there may be. There's no guarantees, but there may be at the end. And just on that, like, you know, if you've got your own home and you want to be more in property and you like the property world and you want to maybe a career change and look, this is not going to be for everybody and there is only a small amount of people who will be accepted, but this is the whole, don't worry about investing in a share portfolio for now. Don't worry about running out and buying another property if you do want a career change Use that money to invest in your own education, your own experience. And to be honest, this could be the right thing for the right person. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to be in New South Wales and, you know, th- there is a cost. So, it's about, what, 11 grand including GST? Yeah, 10 grand plus. Yeah. So, yeah. And as you said, they don't have to be locally based. We will have some field trips um, that is obviously optional to attend, but we'll also have that videoed and, and, and sent through to our tent as well. So there'll be real practical hands-on learning. It won't be just theory-based. So when we do our national tour, you might also do a field trip in each of those cities while you're there or something? Yeah. Well, yeah. I will now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so if you are interested, we'll put a link in the show notes and there'll be a link there to the application and the FAQs and all that stuff. Um, it will start on the 1st of June. So get, get your skates on. John does tell me that there are payment plans and all that. If, Mm. um, if you need to, um, chat with your accountant, because it might be deductible if you're already a property investor, but, um, you can chat with your accountant about that. John, you've got to take off. Mm. Um, thanks for that. I'm going to just talk about this last couple of questions, um, because you've got, it's three o'clock and you need to go. So, Thank you. Thanks, John. We'll Righto. see you um, See you next time. Okay, bye. All right. So, John has gone. There was a question here from Olivia Ray. How to work for family and stay sane? This is actually such a fascinating thing and I know a lot of you work for family. I've, I've done a little bit in my professional career with uh, family businesses, but I think it's it's so important to acknowledge that, yes, we are family, but also we are working here. And I think if you haven't for some time, I think you actually need to organize a bit of a a meeting and just call it out. Be like, hey guys, we're family members. We work together. Can we just catch up? I know it's going to be awkward, but I just want to set some expectations. And usually what kind of happens is when you work for family, Sometimes they're going to just see you as the little sister or little brother or, you know, you might have this weird thing if you're employing your parents or something like that. But I just think, you know, our team at My Millennial Money, like we've just been through this whole stuff with a team and I'm going to share with with everyone uh, in the coming months what we've done as a team. But I think you just need to call it out and say, hey, this is awkward, but, you know, I think we need to just acknowledge that when I'm talking to you now, I'm wearing my employee hat to you who is wearing the boss hat or vice versa and just call it out. I mean, there's no real way. I will say as well though, if it is like, this is the crazy thing. If it is toxic there, 
And it might not be you that's the toxic one or if you're working for a sibling and it's toxic and weird. My kind of encouragement to you is you don't have to hang around. Just because they're family, if you're not treated right, if it's not a suitable workplace, if they're not paying you enough, we need to separate the fact that they're family. This is after the fact. You're investing your time into your career and if you're not looked after there, I think it's time to look somewhere else. Now, how you manage that is going to be maybe a longer process. It's not going to be easy to rock up to the, the team on a Monday morning and drop the hand grenade and saying, see, baby, I'm out of here. It's going to need to be a, a bit more of a process. And that's why I think we need to go back with a business if there are lots of family involved, having the team meeting based on work stuff only. We're leaving the relation stuff, the family stuff at the door and it's strictly business. And I might actually organize an episode on My Millennial Business about this because my friends, the Gleasons, they've got uh, Glee Coffee Roasters, lots of family going on, lots of employees. And I've heard some wild stories that have come out of that business. And, you know, because family in the most part love each other and want the best for each other. But sometimes you can use your knowledge of my sister or my brother that I know the pressure points to push that will get under their skin because they're family and you can use that in a work environment. So, Olivia, I would just say you really need to understand if you're, you said, and stay sane, lol, if it's causing you much stress, we need an exit plan if you don't think it is salvageable or whatever you say there. Question from Bree Anderson, investing inside and outside of super, what should you aim for? We're both 30 years old. Well, this is what we need to, and it's funny these themes that go through these episodes, right? It's all about once we've got our baseline foundations and we've got our spending plan in place, we should know how much we've got left over at the end of each week, at the end of each month or whatever that is. You might look at the yearly thing, yeah, based on our spending here and our mortgage repayments and whatnot, we've got X amount left over in our life. Now, what I like to say with inside versus outside of super is there's always going to be a trade-off. So, what makes sense purely in a mathematical money return sense is to put your money pre-tax into superannuation. You're getting more money to super because you're paying less tax on that money. It's getting uh, 15% tax going in above your employee contribution. And then year on year, it's growing at 15% with a 10% capital gains tax within the super fund. So, all day long, that's better, but it doesn't help you if you're 30 years old and you've got all this money in super and now 15 years down the track on 45, we need to buy and upgrade the home. Oh, damn it. We can't sell our super. So, I think it just needs to be a measured uh, consideration. Now, my general rule of thumb is if you're paying for your life and income insurances through your superannuation and there's a portion split outside or whatnot, I think the first logical step would be to salary sacrifice the amount of your insurances so that at least the super account 
isn't going backwards each year because of the insurance. And even back to Olivia's question about how to budget when starting a family for the first time, for the first couple of years of starting a family, for a cash flow decision, we, we might put as much of our insurance inside super while we get the family off the ground, then we'll come back and start salary sacrificing to cover the cost of that insurance. So there's actually no right or wrong answer. Depending on how much income that you've got, you might have enough income to say, look, we're just going to cap out our annual cap each, $27,500. So we've got, you might have a really good income. You might say, well, our employer puts in $20,000 a year into our super fund. We've both got a spare $7,500. We're just going to cap it out each year and then just do all the rest of the investing outside of super. If you want to invest, if you're one of John's you know, minions and you want to go thirsty and hard in on investment properties, a lot of your strategy will be outside of super because it's going to be easy to borrow money for a property outside of super. So there isn't really a right or wrong answer. I would probably just go back to our first port of call is to make sure we're covering any insurance premiums that are being funded by the super fund. Okay, well, we've had a blast today. Uh, John actually had to leave. Uh, I was running late today because I was on the phone with Qantas for two hours and that just put my whole day out. You'd think, given that the uh, pandemic is coming to an end, that they'll start to employ people and, uh, and all that stuff. But shout out to Qantas, love your work. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I'm Glenn James. Have a great week and life, all that stuff. See you soon. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.